The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hi, it's Lindsay Banks with The Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to The Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about The Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today, we have a special episode for you. It's a part of our Business Toolbox webinar series designed to give practical and useful advice to small and mid-sized businesses. The series is a collaboration between the Charlotte Ledger and Catapult. Today's episode features a conversation between Ledger editor Tony Messia and Catapult's Stephanie Dillon about avoiding legal headaches on topics such as employee discipline and layoffs, hybrid and remote work, and supporting employees' mental health. Enjoy! Hello, I'm Tony Messia of the Charlotte Ledger. I'm happy to welcome you to the first of three weekly webinars in this Business Toolbox series, the collaboration between the Ledger and the Employer Employer Association Catapult. This series is designed to help small and mid-sized businesses address common challenges. And today's topic is build a compliant business, tips to avoid legal headaches. And it's always good to avoid legal headaches. As I mentioned, this webinar series is a result of a collaboration between Catapult and the Charlotte Ledger. Catapult serves more than 2,000 employers across North Carolina and beyond and has 60 years of HR experience. Catapult's HR and business experts help employers address immediate and long-term challenges with customized solutions, trusted advice, exclusive resources, data-driven insights, and a vibrant member community. You can learn more about Catapult at letscatapult.org. And the Charlotte Ledger, which I represent, is a digital publication that delivers smart, original, business-minded news and insights for Charlotte, primarily through an assortment of email newsletters. We think Charlotte deserves more relevant and credible sources of information, and we're working to build that. And if that sounds good to you, you can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and sign up for our newsletters at thecharlotteledger.com. I'm happy today to welcome Stephanie Dillon of Catapult. She's a Catapult HR advisor, and since 2012, she has partnered with businesses to provide subject matter expertise on a wide range of HR topics, employee relations, HR compliance topics, employment discrimination, wage and hour, the ADA, workers' compensation, immigration, unemployment benefits, the list goes on. We could probably spend 45 minutes just listing all the things that (laughs) Stephanie's an expert in. And she coaches business leaders on employee relations, performance management, development, organizational effectiveness, and employee engagement. She's a Charlotte native and a graduate of the University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee. She also has a business certificate from UNC Chapel Hill. She's a certified professional in human resources and a SHRM, Society of Human Resource Management certified professional. Stephanie and I are going to have a conversation for about 20 minutes, and then we'll definitely leave time for your questions. And if you have questions, please feel free to put them in the chat and we'll get to them. Our goal is to wrap everything up in about 40 or 45 minutes. We're going to try and keep it moving and keep it interesting. Some of the topics we're going to talk about today are reasonable accommodations, hybrid work, discipline, layoffs. Unfortunately, that's becoming a hot topic with with the economy the, the way it is, and also supporting employees' mental health and caregiving, those are, you know, those are also pretty pressing topics as well. So Stephanie, let's just start off. I mean, what are, what are you hearing? You talk to a lot of employers all the time. What are some of their common concerns nowadays? Great question. And, and thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And quite the, quite the intro with all the, the alphabet soup that we were talking about earlier that I do advise people on. And one of those acronyms is the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. 
Um, I actually did pull a report recently to think to look at the types of the most common calls that we get. And the ADA is certainly up there. It's just a very, very vague law that employers have a lot of trouble with because there are no black and white answers. The ADA talks about looking at making reasonable accommodations for employees that have medical conditions, but it's really based on an individualized assessment. So uh, what that company is going through, accommodations are going to look very different from, you know, at Bank of America than they look at an employer that has, you know, 20, 25 employees. And the ADA applies to employers that have 15 or more. So that's something that we get a lot of phone calls about. Wage an hour, FMLA. So, hang on one second. Well, let's, yeah. Let me just stop you. Let's let's dig into that first one. Okay. <laughs> sure. So a- accommodation. So I mean, what what is a common question? Is it yeah. I have an employee? They say they need some time off to deal with with an issue. What is? Yeah, the yeah, that could certainly happen. People are, you know, mental health is certainly a hot topic these days. A lot, you know, a lot of people have started talking about that more since COVID. And people are saying, you know, I'm burned out, anxiety is high, I'm stressed out, and I need some time off. So that could certainly be an example of a situation that that employer needs to walk through. Now, some people might be thinking, you know, what's the question there? What's the issue? Once we start digging into it, the person that's calling, needing the time, or the employee that needs the time off, isn't a great employee, right? Like there's oftentimes performance issues that we need to dig into. So how do I deal with that if I'm an employer and someone comes yeah. to me and says, I feel burned out, I need yeah. a, a week off to go to yeah. a yoga r- retreat. And, yeah, sounds know, nice. <laughs> how, what's, uh, how, do, how do I deal with yeah. that? Do I, yeah. do I need to say yes? I mean, yeah. I've been, you, you, I think for employers, there's probably a little bit of a apprehension of saying no to some of these requests. I mean, right. how do you, what's the yeah. analysis? How do you walk through Yeah, so I'd ask you a whole bunch of questions. I always joke with people that like, we are going to ask you 25 questions before I actually answer your questions. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, if that's a great employee, they've got vacation time to use and they just happen to share the reason, then it's really, you know, it really shouldn't be any different than Susie Q just putting in a request for a week off, right? Like you just let that person go. But, you know, the person, does the person have time, PTO? Do they have time to use? Is it a good time for the business? Or, you know, are they a CPA and it, you know, tax time? What are the extenuating factors that prompt that person to call? Mm-hmm. Well, but what if, like you said, what if they're having maybe some performance issues at work yeah. and they're saying, well, it's, it's, it's due to a yeah. medical condition that I have. Yeah. What, what yeah. Do you do Good question. That, that happens all the time. So we tell people to, you know, generally we'll tell people to deal with each of the situations simultaneously yet separately. So let that person go, right? Like if they've got the time. Let um, them go on vacation yeah. you're talking about or, or let them yes, go on their. Yes, okay. theoretically, yes. Now if it's, and 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 more kind of becomes a legal issue. We're like, just going to the beach is more of an employee relations issue, right? A legal issue is like, you know, my doctor is prescribing time off or I need to check in to some site type of facility or some type of, you know, treatment center like that. Nine times out of 10, we're going to say, let that person go, right? Unless it's going to create some, some huge, huge issue. And then before that person goes or when they get back, deal with their performance issues. So are they missing deadlines? Are they not getting along with people? You know, are they not, you know, escalating things as they should? Like, what's the actual work-relatedness problem that, it, that it's creating? And deal with that. So poor performance is not going to be an accommodation. You know, I just had a situation where someone had said they got into an altercation with a coworker, you know, swear words were used 
And the person said, well, I'm off my, you know, antidepressants. Well, that doesn't matter if you're on antidepressants, you're off them, you want to be on them, you don't want to be on them. You can't cuss out your coworkers, not an accommodation. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think, I mean, employers generally want to be supportive of employees, yeah. right? Who are, who are yes. facing challenges and they want to yes. help get them, get them through yeah. that. But it's just a matter of how do you do that? And then you're, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're saying, deal with the performance as a performance issue and deal mm-hmm. with the other stuff sort of as the, as the, yep. as the accommodation issue. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, what are some potential landmines on the subject of mental health and wellness? Yeah, definitely. Like when it comes to employees' medications, employers just need to be careful not to play doctor. And a lot of times that comes from, you know, of what, like you said, like wanting to take care of people, right? Like if people do have medication that they need, like, you know, suggesting maybe you need a therapist, maybe you need to take some medication. Those are like no fly zones for employers, right? You're not their mom, you're not their doctor, you're not their friend, either you're their employer. So just keep it work related. How much as an employer should I probe into what's going on with an employee? If they are, you know, missing work and they keep saying I have doctor's appointments and the doctor's yeah. recommending this, do I yeah. do I go in and say, is there something going on with you? Is, is, what do I need to maybe. know? Yeah. Yes, no, and maybe is my favorite answer. It depends on how big you are. So if you have 15 employees, more than 15, but under 50, then you're covered by the ADA and you don't have to worry about FMLA. So if you've got more than 50 employees, you have to think about the Family Medical Leave Act. And that's going to come into play when employees are missing work due to either their own serious health condition or the serious health condition of a family member. And employers do have obligations under that law to determine why someone's missing work and if it triggers that law. Okay. So maybe I ask and maybe, I, I mean, I, it's fine to be yeah. friendly, but I mean, obviously some yeah. medical conditions, I, I mean, I just personally would right. feel uncomfortable probing too much, but you also kind of want well, to know. Well, HR, let me clarify. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of time, I mean, HR is going to take over at that, at that situation, right? If it's more than like Susie Q's got the sniffles, you know, she's missing work because she's, you know, out all the time at doctor's appointments or has a medical condition, then managers need to pass that over to HR. Okay. I just want to mention again, if anybody has questions, go ahead and drop them into the chat. Yeah. We, we will get to them. What are some, one of the other topics sort of related to mental health that you hear a lot about now is the issue of burnout. I, I mean, um, you, you see people saying they're just exhausted. And part of it, yeah. I think, is a society that we have now. You, you feel maybe yeah. like you're always on. You have cell phones right. <laughs> taking home yeah. 24-7. Yeah. You're kind of always on the clock. What are some suggestions to help employees reduce what they perceive as burnout? Yeah, I think it really depends on the organization and what specifically your workforce is facing and what your resources are. So I was at something recently that I loved this person was talking about, and we talk about it too when we do engagement work, is it's not a benefit if your employees don't think it's a benefit. So, you know, if one of your benefits is, you know, this like telehealth or like a food truck or free trips in the chips in the break room, but no one cares about that, well, then you're not going to right, do anything to address any sort of these issues that burnout cause is the domino effect of, you know, implementing your business. So just making sure that the things that you're doing to address, making sure that employees are, you know, experiencing well-being while they're at work are actually going to speak to them. Like what sort of things can I do? If I have people coming to me yeah. saying I'm burned out, I can't, I feel like I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. What should I do about that? 
Well, it depends. It depends on why they're sharing, right? Like what's the context? Are they just chatting? Is it just in passing? Or are they saying they need something from you? Whether it's time off or a flexible schedule or remote work or yeah, do you have an EAP, an employee assistance program um, that 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 person can take advantage of? Those are all good resources. How important is it to have written policies on things like this? Things like this. So overall, yes, absolutely. You need an ADA policy. You need an FMLA policy. You need a discipline policy. All those good policies to address like the, the topics, right, that we've discussed so far. But again, what trips people up is a lot of these situations are just very, very case specific, right? Like I'm going to ask you when you call who, what, why, where, when, and how, and then we'll, you know, kind of get into the actual, what I think you should do, where I'm going to ask if what your policy says is about things like, yeah, like if you're going to be ready to fire someone, right? Say that person, maybe they've got medical things going on, but they're also, again, you tried to discipline them, but they're still not doing what they need to do at work and you're about to terminate them, well, then I'm going to ask you, you know, what that looks like for other people, just to make sure that you are following your termination process. Yeah. And that's another good topic. That's a good segue into this other topic of discipline and, and layoffs. Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, we, I know we talked earlier and you said you are getting a yeah. lot more of those calls now. Uh, unfortunately, LinkedIn. Yeah. A little bit of a, maybe you all are a little bit of a bellwether about what's going to happen. Unemployment rate's still pretty low, but um, mm -hmm. obviously a lot of people are kind of looking ahead and saying, okay, mm -hmm. where's all this going? As an yeah. employer, how do I evaluate whether I need to lay people off? I mean, if I'm, I guess I'm looking at my books, I'm seeing maybe, yeah. I, you know, decrease in revenue and I want to decrease my expenses. I mean, can you walk me yeah. through as an employer, how I should be thinking about that? Yeah. A lot of times it comes down to finances, you know, budgets and looking at you know, what happened last year and then forecasting. And then a lot of people do a lot of industry analysis. Um, and then it's just a domino effect, right? Like a lot of times people will call and they're like, we lost a customer. So that immediately impacts this one line of business. So we'll talk people through that. You know, what's your overall reason for the need that you think you need to do a layoff? And we tell people to think about it like an inverted triangle. So start really broad and then get down to the specifics. So What's your overall reason? Yeah, is it, you know, we lost a customer, supply chain, whatever it is, or, you know, a product's being discontinued. And then how does that relate to the business line, the team specifically that's going to be impacted? And then you do a team analysis to determine who is selected. Right. I mean, how do I, so if I determine that I need to cut my expenses, how do I make uh -huh. that analysis? What, what sort of things yeah. do I need to evaluate yeah. in that decision to not yeah. run afoul of, of the law yeah. or, or somebody yeah. yeah. so, to sue me or something? Right. Right. I mean, yeah. So HR is certainly going to, oh no, that's fine. You can say that. The, so yeah, HR is certainly going to partner with operations and finance here, but you'd want to look at, okay, if we need to cut costs, well then what areas? are we cutting costs, right? Is it across the board or is there one, you know, area that's particularly struggling more so than others? So is it more defensible to cut in the area that's struggling or should I, is that the way I should look at it? If I have different lines of business and this one's maybe not doing so well, that's where I need I to cut or. There's a wide gamut. I mean, I think it depends, right? So we talk about like having that documentation and just making sure that it's defensible. So the good news about all this stuff is that the documentation and defenses that employers can use that are successful is the employer proved that they did something that was reasonable. So 
not necessarily, you know, super smart <laughs> or, you know, that they had a magic wand or anything, but like did what they do on paper make sense? If that's what things like, that's what the EEOC, the Department of Labor, those are the sorts of things that they look at. Okay. I mean, obviously this is something employers don't like to do. They prefer, I'm sure, to keep sure. it in most cases, you know, almost <laughs> employed. Well, that Sometimes. happens. No, uh, people will call and they're like, we need to lay Tony off. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, Tony stinks. He's got to go. <laughs> I'm I like, don't like well, your use of that example yeah. <laughs> in particular, my name, but that's okay. But yes, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose you could look at it that way too, that if you're, it could be a good rationale and be like, yeah. okay, I have someone who's been chronically underperforming and that people know the business is not as strong as it yeah. as I can so, maybe get, let some of the underperformers go. Is that right? right? So it can be a factor, but we just try to caution people to not, you know, don't put lipstick on it, right? If it's a termination, let and let's like pick a lane and stay in it. Let If it's a termination, let's follow that process. But if it's true layoff and yeah, just one of the factors is performance, then you can go that route, but you still have to document, you know, either way. Yeah. So how... Talk to me about documenting. How does, sure. what, what do you, what do I need to document? How do I do that? Uh, so for a lay, so for a layoff or a termination or both? Well, let's talk about both. Let's talk about a layoff. Let's talk about the okay. business that, you know, is, you know, lost a, a key customer and the revenue is yeah. not coming in. We need to cut expenses. And so we yeah. looked and we need to, you know, lay yeah. a couple people off. How do I doc? What do I do? So you're going to have all that documentation, you know, the proof that you lost a customer, you know, what the numbers look like, those sorts of things. And then you're going to have whatever documentation ties to which group, right, is, is selected based on those numbers. And then when we talk about analyzing the team, we can look at things. So we would like, you know, have all of the employees on one side and then we when then we kind of measure them all based against each other, for lack of a better word. For things like whatever sort of objective criteria the employer wants to use. But again, it's that objective criteria where people get a little tripped up sometimes. So it can be things like seniority, you know, cross training. If one person has abilities to kind of be nimble and jump around to different departments, maybe someone else is a little bit more siloed. That person that's siloed might be score lower. First, performance evaluations, you know, looking at, you know, last year, years past performance evaluations, things like that. How much do I need to look at the diversity of the people I'm laying off? Like I'm guessing yeah. if I lay off people, if I lay off all the 65 year olds, right. you know, that, I could, that could be a problem. Like a, how, yeah, how, that could be a problem. Me, yeah. Yeah. Good question. So, how I would think about that. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, okay, you know, we need to cut expenses where, you know, payrolls, one of the most ex expensive things employers do. So we're just going to kind of cut the people that make the most money. Well, then, yeah, you're going to have most likely some sort of age cons claim consideration. Um, so you would look at, so you do that analysis of the factors, right? So don't just take pay. Don't just look at one thing. So take other considerations, again, whichever objective criteria you choose to determine. And then, and then you do your EEO analysis. So, you know, are the people that were selected, are they all in some type of protected category? If they are, say they're all over 40, that can be okay as long as the employer can prove why they did the layoff. It's because of, you know, it's because of tenure. It's because of the projects that they're working on. It's because of their skill set. It's because of their knowledge and their experience has nothing to do with their age. 
Okay. I just want to remind folks, if you have questions, drop them in the chat. I'm not seeing any questions at the moment, so I'm just going to keep going. We so must be is, doing a great job. Then. That's right. We're answering, anticipating and answering all the questions. Good job, Stephanie. So, and, okay. So we, we talked about layoff. What about a termination? Those okay. are, are different things. Yeah. What's the process for that? How do I need to address yeah. that if someone that's, and I'm guessing that's the difference is if someone's underperforming and yeah. it's just like, okay, it's, you know, we need to end this relationship here. <laughs> It's right. Like, I don't know whether it's like, you know, breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something like that. I'm guessing a lot more documented. You're going to want to have a lot more documentation. <laughs> well, I don't know. Now you were talking about, you know, things being online. Now people have texts and Snapchat. That's probably true. They got receipts. But no, how, how do you, how do I deal with that? I mean, if I, if someone's chronically underperforming and it's time to let them go. Yeah. So it depends. It depends on what the, if the termination is part of that like step process where they've been talked to, they've been talked to, they've been talked to, they're still not getting it and they've hit the end of the road or it's like an immediate termination, right? So something that is more serious, sexual harassment, things like that. So if it's, so you still need documentation with either. So if it's more of like a harassment situation, then maybe this is the first time that this person has ever even been in trouble, but it's going to result in immediate termination. You're going to have all sorts of documentation from the investigation that you did. Again, you know, the reasonable person test. So this is not a court of law. You do not have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, but you do have to do a sound investigation that makes sense and and document. Or if it's someone that has been coached all along about performance, then you would want to show that they have been given the opportunity to correct that. So did you put it in writing? You know, here are my expectations of you. You're over here doing something else. If you don't start doing what I need you to do, then you're going to lose your job. You want to have that trail, right? That that employee knew what they were supposed to be doing. And they knew that if they didn't start doing that, they were going to lose their job. And then you need to stay true to your word. And that's, I mean, I hear what you're saying on the documentation. I just, I mean, as a, as a small business owner myself, I just wonder, it sounds like something geared toward places that have an HR department or a little bit more of a a structure and an organization, but a lot of businesses, maybe they don't, they don't have that. Is it still? It could be on a napkin. Okay. Okay. Just something, something written Long, or an email or no, something. That's a good question. I was going to say that. Yeah. So when people call and they're like, I have nothing, I'm like, do you have any emails? Emails are great. Or a lot of people now say we've got Slack messages or we've got Teams messages. A lot of times there's people have more than they think they do. And this is just to have in case a lawyer starts calling you or something, or, or there's some sort of legal is that yeah, just I mean, that's certainly worst case sensible? scenario. Right. Yeah, you want to have it for unemployment purposes. So if you're going to contest someone's unemployment, um, if someone files an EEOC charge, that's typically the step before getting an attorney. Uh, or if there's some type of audit. So if they file, you know, may, they may make a complaint with the Department of Labor. You just want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. Okay. And, and the other thing too is even if it doesn't turn into legal trouble, like sometimes companies just need to have some sort of frame of reference, right? Like it's going to be hard to remember what you did six months ago or what happened six months ago. So a lot of times people just need that for their records to remember what happened. I gotcha. And how do I approach having these kind of hard conversations? I mean, they can be uncomfortable. Some people are really good and and blunt about having hard (laughs) conversations and some really aren't. Like, how do you prepare for that? What are the things you need to say? Do you need to give them a letter that explains everything? How, How do you actually go about that? So in an ideal scenario, you have these conversations before they get hard. 
So, you know, the little bit, like if you start seeing, so have it while it's more of a coaching, correcting conversation. If you start seeing men heading down the right path, then you would start to have those conversations. But if that hasn't been done, well, then, yeah, I think it's just, you know, where are you at in the process? Is it like the decision's already been made and this person no longer gets to work there? Well, then that's, you know, kind of a short five minute. Here's the reason, you know, best of luck conversation. Mm -hmm. Or if it's more of like, we're kind of going to skip some steps and do a final warning. Well, then I would still just be really clear and specific. So a lot of times I'll tell people like, make sure that you have examples because that person's going to be defensive. That's just human nature is to try to defend themselves. So you need to be able to say on such and such date, you know, this exact thing happened. This is what I'm talking about. That's not okay. Right. So ideally, you'd be kind of leading up to it. You would have things documented yeah. for a period of, I mean, this, again, assuming it's not a, a one incident kind of a thing, right. whereas if right. it's just, if it's just you're underperforming, you you want to have that documented, you want to, you'd want to have that conversation, give the person, you know, feedback, honest yeah. feedback, right? And, yeah. and yeah. say, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I really need you to do. Yeah. Performance plan sort of a thing. Yeah. And I think having, pre so ha having those examples, right? Because that person's going to be uncomfortable. You might be uncomfortable if you have to give this conversation. So if you have talking points, certainly wouldn't read anything, right? But like right. have some talking points, you know, two, three, depending on the situation and just say, you know, here are the examples. Mm -hmm. And do you have any examples that, that come to mind of different industries sort of dealing with this issue or recent calls you've gotten that, that were sort mm -hmm. of interesting? If not, it's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly do. I'm trying to think. Probably the most recent one was this person was like a project manager and they were having trouble with deadlines and communicating with the client, the expectation, and then escalating things to their director. So they were a little bit, they were just struggling with their role as a lead in terms of autonomy. And so I told them to think about because that's hard too, right? A lot of these things are just like unspoken things, right? Or cultural things that like, we're like, people are like, how do they explain that to this person? And I would tell those people to think about someone that does a good job of this, right? Who's your best lead project manager and pick out the traits that that person is doing and what they're doing well and use this, don't, don't name the person right. <laughs> to the other person, but pick out the traits that they do that exhibit the behavior that you're after and mm -hmm. use those as examples. I gotcha. Another topic I wanted to talk about, and by the way, I'll just repeat the call. If you have a question, go ahead and drop it in the Don't chat. Be shy. Not seeing any questions, but that's fine. We'll we'll keep going. The next topic I wanted to talk about a little bit, and was getting people back into the office. This was obviously yeah. sort of a hot topic. Certainly, I think in the last couple of years, coming out of COVID, mm -hmm. and it seems like you know maybe some of that has stabilized a little bit. A lot of a lot of places are embracing a hybrid work environment. Yeah. Not all employers have the luxury of, of right, doing that. Right. There's some jobs where people actually need to be there. But what are you, just generally, what are you hearing from employers about the future of hybrid work and employees' yeah. expectations in, in the workplace about having that kind of flexibility? Yeah, I think there's still some people that are trying to figure it out. I think for the most part, people are either comfortable where they are and, you know, have kind of figured it out, like they're getting good feedback or maybe they're not getting good feedback, but they've just decided for now that this is still what they're going to do for whatever reason. But there are still certainly people out there that are just continually evolving, right? Like what does this, how does this, you know, how is this going to impact our business and is this going to work? 
And we just tell people like, don't be scared to try it, right? Like if it's, you know, you like you want people back in the office, but people don't want to come back in, you know, try the hybrid, see if it works. And to your point, yeah, certainly doesn't work for every company and it certainly doesn't work for every position. So some different jobs in the same company could lend themselves more to either fully remote or hybrid. It doesn't have to be a one size fits all. Yeah. How do I make that kind of determination, you know, yeah. and, and do it in a way that's fair? Because I know in some workplaces, it's like, well, why do they get to work from right. home? But I have to be in because I have a different manager yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you address that? So the first thing I say is fair and legal are two different things. So think about that. Um, and then think about the, the reason. So why does, why do you want this person to come in? Right? Like, are they, are they, it, do they have a lot of interaction with their team that has to be in person for whatever reason? Well, some people might push back on that and say, we've got all this technology. Why does it have to be in person? But I mean, ultimately the employer can still say, you know, too bad, so sad. Like we want to see your faces, you know, come in to, to the, to the company, right? If some, if a company's not as like, if things are still done a lot on paper, well, then that person might need to come in versus some job, someone else's job. Maybe they're more of an individual contributor. And they don't need to, you know, have that face-to-face -face collaboration. What kind of tips do you have, if any, on how to manage remote employees effectively? Mm -hmm. I know that's something a lot of managers, you know, that that's for a long tough. time they were used to everybody's yeah. there, and either they're mm -hmm. there or they're not. And now, yeah. you know, you're having Zoom calls. I don't know what people are doing all day. What you know? Yeah. How to, yeah. Do you have any advice on how managers can effectively manage a, a hybrid workforce? Yeah, I think it's really hard. I think you just have to be a lot more intentional than you ever have been. So a lot of people used to just kind of manage as a byproduct of seeing people. Well, now people are going to have to make an, an you know, make a concerted effort to reach out to people, um, you know, have whatever, some type of schedule about checking in, making sure that there's processes to make sure that different things are happening behind the scenes since you're not going to like actually be seeing them happen, right? You say you just need to do like a whole lot more follow-up and a whole, whole lot more intentional conversations. We do have a question from Steven. Steven's question that he put in the chat is, if someone comes to us with a request for accommodation, should we hold them out of work until we make a decision <laughs> on the request or can we make a temporary accommodation? So uh, I feel like a broken record, but it depends. <laughs> it depends on the accommodation. So if it's like a safety sensitive role where if you have a doctor's note that says someone, you know, needs, has a lifting restriction or, you know, they can't operate some type of equipment and that's their job and you have more questions about that, then yes, I would remove that person from that piece of equipment until you figure out what the specifics are. Doctors love to not put a timeline on restrictions. So you need to make sure that you're following up and, and getting for a timeline. But if it's, I need a stand-up desk. Well, then you can probably have that person keep working, but it depends. Gotcha. Okay. We'll just go for a few more minutes. If anybody has any additional questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat. I want to talk a little bit about the issue of paying people. You know, I, I think you hear this sometimes about, okay, is someone, do I, do I need to pay them overtime? Are they salaried? Are they exempt? Are they non-exempt? Mm -hmm. What are some issues you, that you hear about as far as making sure that, you know, that when you're paying people that you're doing it, you know, you're paying them for what they should be paid for. Yeah. So it comes up a lot with hourly with non-exempt folks, right, that are entitled to overtime. And you mentioned it earlier with people being remote now, clocking in and out on their phones or, you know, responding to emails at night. So just making sure that those non-exempt people, you're keeping some sort of accurate record of their time. 
And again, like, you know, different companies are going to have fancier equipment, right? Like some people might have like all the bells and whistles on some sort of timekeeping management system, or some people might, you know, have it as an email. It just needs to be some sort of accurate timekeeping and making sure that that person, if they're owed overtime, is paid time and a half after 40 hours in a work week. Or if you've got other more generous state laws, making sure that you are taking those into consideration. And then the other thing that trip, trips people up a lot with wage and hour is making sure that someone that you've classified as exempt from overtime actually meets the requisite meet the criteria to be exempt from overtime. There is no magic overtime wand that someone can wave and say, you are now exempt. I gotcha. We've talked a little bit about the importance of having written policies on a lot of these things. How, if I'm an employer, you know, where do I get these? Yeah. Say, can I get them off the internet? Are there sites, you know, <laughs> I mean, can I ask chat GPT, uh, work up yeah. something. How do I work? How do I yeah. That, yeah. We can the, tell. We can tell with an HR person or a lawyer or how, how do <laughs> yeah. you can tell? Yeah. yeah to, we can tell way to get that their done. policies. There's lots of different resources. We are certainly a great one. I am biased, but as a member, you have access to our handbook template, our employee handbook template that's updated frequently and is available to members on our website. So we think that that's a good place for people to start. There's certainly other, other good resources out there, but I think we're the best. And then, you know, if things, I know this topic is how to avoid legal hassles and you've given yeah. a lot of great advice, but if they, when do I know whether I need to contact an attorney? I Call mean, what, an attorney? Yeah. yeah. When do I, when does, when do things reach that yeah. point? How do yeah. I know? So when do, I am not too proud. If you call me, I will tell you <laughs> if you need an attorney or not. There are certain times that people call and we just automatically send them to legal, right? If it's a truly kind of legal topic and we know we didn't go to enough school to answer that question severance, non-competes, things like that, just get sent over to, would get sent over to an attorney. And, but if, if not, if people like have some sort of tricky situation, termination, anytime someone is at the point where they want to deny an accommodation for whatever reason, that certainly happens. I would send that over to an attorney and have them, them bless that. We do have employment law advice included in our membership packages. So if anyone's interested in more information, we can certainly talk to them about the specifics. Okay. Just about all the questions I have. I don't see any other yeah. questions out there. Is there. Are there any other hot topics that we didn't discuss? And I know we'll get into some of these in the next few weeks. We'll dig in yeah. with, with some of your colleagues on, on, I think, as I mentioned, on healthcare options, as well as mm -hmm. retaining, recruiting yeah. and retaining employees. But are, are there any other things that you get calls on or anything else, any other nuggets I of wisdom think, you want to share? I think we've given people enough information to maybe give them a headache. So I don't want to, <laughs> we're trying to avoid headache, but I think we just got another question actually. Okay. It just popped in there. Cole's question is maybe a more general HR question and not necessarily legal, but how are you seeing AI tools like chat GPT impact this side of HR? Yeah, great question. Too soon to tell, Cole. So time will tell on that one. It's certainly, it's very, very interesting what, what it can do. A little bit scary, honestly. So I don't think that anyone needs to run out and create an AI policy by any stretch of the means. Um, but I do think that's something that we're going to be dealing with a lot more in the future. I just think it's too early to, to kind of know how it's really going to affect us. Um, a lot. It, it has actually been in place with recruiting a lot more. And so the EEOC has actually put out that they're interested in how AI screens out candidates, particularly those that might have some sort of medical condition where they would need an accommodation to apply for a job. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, are, do you get do you get questions from I mean, in, in, from employers on this? I mean, AI just it just strikes me it yeah. can be used for so many things, right. and sometimes it's a great tool that can help yeah. you, but sometimes you yeah. know it's not. Know. So, <laughs> do you have any any thoughts? I haven't specifically you... gotten any any questions on it yet, but I think I think I probably will in the near future. Yeah, I think that's probably coming up. Okay, well, I <laughs> think people that's... are still trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, I know it's it's actually pretty. It's pretty remarkable some of the things I you know. can do. It's not always accurate, yeah. and it's not right. always. But um, it learns. It's supposed to learn, so maybe it does learn. It will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see. Anyway, that's probably a topic for another time. But Stephanie, thank you. Thanks for talking with me about this. Yeah, um, absolutely. On behalf of the Charlotte Ledger and Catapult, thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. Queen City Podcast Network.com.